Welcome to On The Spot, where two student pastors talk about stuff that matters. I'm Dakota. And I'm Kyle. Well, Kyle, we are back for episode number two. Back, episode two. People are actually, hopefully, joining us again. Yeah, we're not going to look at the stats. We're just going to assume that people are listening to it. exactly. I'm too scared. (laughs) Uh, Well, we've got a lot of stuff uh, to do today. We've got a lot of stuff to get into. We've got a book to talk about. Um, We've got... Uh, some a question of the day that we're going to talk about, and we've got uh, just some some big things that I'm really excited about, and I think that are going to be really important. Um, and you're going to share with us a little bit more about our mission and vision later on in the podcast. Uh, so let's jump right into this. I know that you have a question of the day. We're going to be doing this every podcast, um, a different question, and it's going to be up to you to come up with that question. So there's no telling what it's going to be. That's true. That's true. There is no telling. So are you ready for today's question? Yes. From Just so everybody knows, in case you weren't sure, Kyle is a middle school pastor. So I'm sure that these questions are coming from that perspective. Um, so Dakota, have you ever used a bidet? <laughs> um, no, uh, that's the short answer is no, I have not used a bidet. Um, however, however. So, okay, hold on real quick. Explain to our listeners who may not know what a bidet is. <laughs> okay. So a bidet is essentially... Uh, a toilet or an attachment to your toilet uh, that sprays water on your bum to clean you up after using the bathroom. It's a butt sink. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is what it is. Um, So again, uh, no, I have not used a bidet. Kyle, have you used a bidet before? I can't remember. How would you not remember that? I don't know. I I don't think I have. I don't think I have. There's a chance someone had one somewhere sometime and I tried it once, but I just don't remember. Mm, you should block that out. I did. Okay. There's some things you just don't want to remember. So here's the thing. Um, I, I do know some information about bidets. Debates. Uh, debates, huh? <laughs> yeah. So I know some information about these because um, it, 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 there is an interesting phenomenon that has happened because of COVID in America. So bidets. Days are it's a not phenomenon. What? It's a phenomenon. Oh, I thought you said what's a phenomenon. No, I was no, like, no, come no, on, no. man. I, I know what that is. Uh, <laughs> but what has happened is there was a toilet paper shortage for a little while. I know it was terrible. So because of that. Um, a thing that has not historically been popular in America. Bidets are super popular around the world. However, in America, it's just been kind of a thing that we don't do. Um, but because there wasn't toilet paper, I think it's because we live in a country where you can actually flush toilet paper down the toilet. Well, that does help. Um, but because we were running out of toilet paper and people couldn't readily get it whenever they wanted to, uh, people started buying bidets. So the kind of, um, weird view of bidets is shifting in America right now. Uh, and people are using them now. Do you want to know how they work? Because I do, I do want to know because Dakota. this is something Please I Please tell me how this it works. is something I was really wondering about because I just didn't get it. I'm like, so you don't use toilet, but you're going to walk away with your you're butt gonna, being wet. Gonna, like I don't sit in your kitchen sink and Oh, well. stop, stop, stop. So I just didn't get it. Um, uh, but, um, <laughs> 
the way a bidet works is um, you still use toilet paper. You just use far, far less. So the, apparently, this is getting way off the rails here, but apparently there's an initial cleanup, you know, and then you use the bidet to get any residuals. <laughs> An initial cleanup. Yeah, and then the bidet uh, cleans off any of the residuals because if you didn't do the initial cleanup, you're just making a mess, apparently. And then you pat Is this dry. like how you, how you like you know, clean off your dishes before you put them in the dishwasher. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Uh, and then, um, so that you don't get up and, you know, then you're, you got wet all over the place. You pat dry apparently with another square. Oh, of wait, hold, paper. On, hold on. You have to clean before and after using the bidet. Yeah. I didn't say that it was more efficient, <laughs> which some people do say that it is. I don't know. I've never I mean, used I one. I guess it gets you cleaner. Cause no matter how much you may, you know, do an initial cleanup. There's probably still sure. a little bit left. <laughs> Gosh, Kyle. We but talked about we talked you're about the one that's the bidet historian. Well, here. I did some research because I was interested. Uh, but I'm just saying we we talked about poop last week with the diapers or two weeks ago, and now we're talking about poop again. We're gonna have to stop this. I don't feel like it's my fault. How <laughs> oh, is this not your fault? <laughs> <laughs> the bidet question. Is yeah, you you can answer that without talking about poop, right? Well, I want to make sure that everybody knows what it is, and and I mean and that's that's a good point. Kind of why I haven't used one. <laughs> yeah, well, now that so, we're off, now that we're off the rails, yes. So, Kyle, we're going to be talking about a book today, right? We are going to be talking about a book. We are uh, in the process of walking through a book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. It's by a guy named Donald Whitney. Now, if you are a teenager, you may have never heard about this book before. That's completely okay. But uh, for those of us who have been to seminary or we've been to Christian college or or we've had to do ministry training or whatsoever, this is a book that gets widely recommended when it comes to talking about the things in our life that we should be self-controlled and disciplined about. Yeah, this was actually a textbook for me yeah, when same I was in here. school. Same here. I had to take a a, a one-hour class in college or in a seminary that was basically, uh, I think, spiritual formation for the Christian life, something along those lines, mm. or it was just spiritual formation. And this was our primary textbook where we walked through it basically a chapter a week, and you had to read it, and we discussed it as a group. So we figured um, we believe that spiritual disciplines are incredibly important for um, for our teenagers to to get involved in and learn how to do. So we figured mm-hmm. we would talk about this book and, and see if we can get uh, many of our students interested in maybe reading this book or possibly uh, being more consistent with spiritual disciplines. So Dakota, um, I want to get your opinion. Why is this book important for our demographic of listeners? So I think this is really important because um, we often either don't talk about spiritual disciplines or we talk about them from a legalistic place. Mm-hmm. Um, because, And the reason we don't talk about them is because we don't want to be legalistic. Right. Because when we have talked about them, it has come off legalistic. And so I'm not talking it, about Explain us. to people what you mean by that. What What does it mean for spiritual disciplines to be legalistic? So, and, and when I say we, I don't mean us as a church. I just mean in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, spiritual disciplines can become very legalistic when we view them as something that adds to 
or enhances our our salvation, um, or it it is the reason for our salvation. Yeah. Because here's the thing: you have to do these things in order to be considered a good Christian. Correct, which is not true. Um, like me being disciplined in my Bible reading or in my prayer life is not what makes me a Christian. Right, and it doesn't make me more of a Christian. Um, but we're going to get into this a little bit more um, of of kind of what the book is. But um, when we start looking at spiritual disciplines, as like, hey, Kyle, um, did you re- did you read your Bible this morning for X amount of time? Because if you didn't, you're probably not Christian. Like that's a very legalistic way yeah. of of looking at, it. and that's not that's one of the reasons why we don't talk about it. Um, and we teach people. Uh, to instinctively to do this from a young age when you show yes. up to Sunday school and you get a gold star for reading your Bible, yep. you get a gold star for memorizing your verse, you get a gold yep. star for uh, for showing up, you get a gold star for sharing the gospel with someone. Well, and then it becomes about behavior modification and not heart transformation. Right. And we're, we're after heart transformation. Jesus is after heart transformation. He wants to change us and make us new, right. not just change the things that we do. Um, and our hope is that this book will shed some needed healthy perspective on spiritual disciplines. And I think that it does, um, because, and what I mean by that is it gives us practically how to apply them and the hopeful result of what that looks like when we do it. Okay. Awesome, Dakota. So for, for those of our students who, uh, and our, our parents who may not actually know what spiritual disciplines are, give us a quick definition of what spiritual defi- uh, spiritual disciplines are. And in, in the book, uh, chapter one really goes well into defining what that is. So maybe even just give us a synopsis of the chapter. Yeah. So the thrust of this entire book is 1 Timothy 4-7. Um, and it's this concept of Spiritual disciplines are a means to being godly, right? To growing in godliness, to becoming more like Jesus, right? Um, and this chapter is really about understanding why we should value being disciplined. Like, why is it important for us to be disciplined in our faith and pursuing the spiritual disciplines, specifically those? Um, because it also gives you some other things about, you know, your circumstances and, and, and things like that and people, um, how those two things influence you. But spiritual disciplines is something that you personally make decisions on, which is, I think is a big deal because your circumstances happen and you may not have any control over that. What other people do, you don't have control over. But what you decide to do, you have control over. You can choose whether or not you want to invest in your relationship with Jesus. Yeah, they're, they're exactly what you just said. A way for you to directly invest in your relationship yep. with Jesus and grow as a Christ follower. So um, I'm kind of fast-forwarding a little bit, but I'll, I'll, I kind of want to get your take on this. Um in the book, he talks about the difference between faithfulness and fruitfulness. Mm. Um, dive into that a little bit and, and, and tell me what the difference between those two is and, and, and why some people think we can't make ourselves uh, more like Jesus, so why even try to, right. to participate in spiritual disciplines? Right. Well, and the... So you, you, this is kind of more the, the questions of the freedom that he talks about in... in in spiritual disciplines, as well as, you know, can we make ourselves godly? 
Well, the the short answer to that, you and I both know, and most everybody knows, no. No, you can't make yourself godly. We can't because we're not godly. We're not holy. We're broken. Um, we're sinful. Um, that, that's the fruitfulness. When we talk about yep. passages in Galatians, like the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, mm-hmm. gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We can't make ourselves more of those things. Those Correct. are things that God births within us. And on page 18, he has an amazing amazing quote. It says, even the most iron-willed self-discipline will not make us holy, for growth in holiness is a gift from God. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible because I think about, I think about people that I know that are super disciplined, that I know aren't Christians. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you're extremely disciplined and you can, uh, you can do all these things and you're, you're very successful and you are very charitable even, and you do all these nice things for people. Those things aren't what make you holy. Right. You know, and you can't, you can't produce that in yourself on your own. I've known people in the church who were incredibly disciplined. They were they went to church every Sunday morning. Yeah. They uh they read their Bible every single day. They prayed every single day, but they were some of the most unkind people that I've ever mm. met. They always seemed to have a sour face or whatever. So um just because you participate in the spiritual disciplines, that doesn't necessarily make you a holier person. It doesn't necessarily make you a more fruitful person. However, well, if that's the case, then why do we participate in spiritual disciplines at all? I mean, we obviously it's for the purpose of godliness, but we just said they don't necessarily make us more godly. Right. Well, I think that I think that it speaks a lot to our motives. Um, and what I mean by that is, are 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 we doing these spiritual disciplines um, so that we can bring glory to God, or so that we can brag about the fact that we've done them? Right. You know what I mean? Is it, it a box to check or is yes. it or is it a way for you to become godlier? There's a particular quote that um I that I found incredibly meaningful and I just wanted to share it if, if make sure I can find it. He, it says uh on page 19, think of the spiritual disciplines as ways we can place ourselves in the path of God's grace and mm. seek him. So good. And later on, he says, the spiritual disciplines then are also like channels of God's transforming grace. As we place ourselves in them to seek communion with Christ, his grace flows to us and we are changed. That's why the disciplines must become priority for us if we will be godly. So it's not that it's not that I participate in the di- the disciplines and I automatically become godly, mm-hmm. but me participating in the disciplines puts me in a position yes. where God can 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 change my heart. Yes, and 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 you know, again, I would even add to that saying, we have to have the right motive in that um, because it's so easy to do this because we think that we got to check the box. It's so easy to do this because, you know, not, it, and this isn't me trashing Awana, but you know, we oftentimes it's like, Hey, memorize this verse and you get some candy. Mm-hmm. Are you doing these? Cause memorizing scripture is a spiritual discipline. Right. Are you doing that because you want a piece of candy or have you been taught? And are you, are you doing that so that you can position yourself to be able to grow in your walk with Jesus and become more like God and experience what we're going to talk about later, which is the freedom to be able to speak scripture without having to 
rifle through your Bible. Exactly. So, yes. Exactly. So, what are some other meaningful quotes that you found from the chapter? Uh, I mean, the first line of the chapter, you know this one. I do. Page, it's it, on page 15. It's, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's one of the few sentences I have memorized from any book. It's discipline without direction is drudgery. Yes, it is a fantastic quote. And it goes on to talk about what that means. Uh, and, and, you know, y- you asked me to, to think about some things, some takeaways for parents. And one of this is one of the takeaways for a parent to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and drop this go in there. Um, so I think that if, because he talks about the way that you avoid drudgery and your discipline is having a future perspective and a goal in mind of what you will become. And he uses the example of the little boy who's practicing guitar mm-hmm. and he hates it mm-hmm. because he's having to do these boring things like scales and stuff like that. So then he paints this picture of an angel coming and taking the boy and showing him this person on a stage, just absolutely ripping this guitar to pieces, playing this awesome classical stuff. And the boy is like, Whoa, this is awesome. And he says, that's you in a few years. If you continue doing what you're doing. Yeah. All of a sudden the boy is given a direction. Right. And and so I, w- the recommendation that I would have for parents, the takeaway is to give your kids direction and give them a goal that will pull them to the future. Exactly. Not something of saying, hey, just do this. Yeah. Because if you're just doing it and you have no idea why or what the end goal is, it becomes drudgery. If you're doing it for the sake of doing it, it doesn't work. Right. right. So that's what I would say uh, is one quote is, uh, that first line, disciple or discipline without direction is drudgery. Second thing, I just did two quotes. Uh, there are more uh, that I talk about in different areas, but I just chose two for this section. The next one's on page 16. Uh, it says, we aren't merely to wait for holiness. We are to pursue it. Um, this, ooh, that hit me pretty hard because I started thinking about how often am I pursuing holiness? Um, sure, I'm studying the Bible. Sure, I'm, I'm doing these things. Yeah, I pray. But am I pursuing holiness? Am I pursuing becoming more Christ-like? Now, and this brings into question exactly what you were talking about before, the fruit, fruitfulness and, and whatnot, is am I doing this to become more like God, or am I doing this because I feel like I'm supposed to? Um, because if we are just doing it and we're missing out on what God is trying to teach us through it, it's it's pointless. Because I can I can pray and I can do these spiritual disciplines and I can memorize the Bible, but if I'm not seeking God, how do you want to change me in this? How do you want to sanctify me in this? Which is the process of making me more like Jesus and making me more holy. Yeah. If I'm not looking for that in my spiritual disciplines, am I accomplishing anything? No. Exactly. So that was, this one wrecked me. I had to stop. Yeah. I had to stop reading for a little while and, and do actually some confessing um, in that I was missing some things that I should be doing. And this, again, is not a legalistic thing. This was a conviction of the Lord in saying, hey, I want to make you more than you are. Right. But you have to want that, and you have to seek that. Yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't 
pursue the spiritual disciplines as an end in and of themselves. Right. We don't read the Bible because God thinks the Bible is important. God thinks reading the Bible is important. You know, we don't pray because God thinks praying is important. We we read the Bible and we pray and we memorize scripture because we want to connect with Jesus. We want to connect with God. We want to become more like him. Yeah. If that is your end goal, then reading the Bible and praying and 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 memorizing scripture and worship and 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 sharing the gospel with people, all of these things are going to be incredibly fruitful yeah. and valuable. But if it's not, they're just going to become another activity. Mm-hmm. You're if if you're reading the Bible just for the sake of reading the Bible, then in many ways it's it's a waste of time because there's no power in it. Sure. We read the Bible to connect with God, to experience his life change in his timing. Well, and that even speaks to, do you know about God or do you know God? Yeah. Um, And and I even think about um, some of the things of, uh, do I want to actually experience God or do I just want to do the things that I'm told to do? Mm -hmm. Um, Do I want, and, and that speaks to the fact that, do you have people in your life that can help you be pulled to the future? Do you have people in your life that are godly, that are pursuing the Lord and becoming more holy? Um, Because if you don't have those, are you seeing the goal? Right. Because you can absolutely see the goal in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we will reach that goal one day when Jesus comes back or we end up in heaven. But to have a tangible person in your life that is ahead of you in their walk with Jesus will help propel you and, and to draw you and to avoid that drudgery in spiritual discipline. Exactly, exactly. It gives you a vision of what could be. Absolutely. You know, and this is why, as a student ministry, we value 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 so much. Mm. When Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Right. You know, we long to put people in front of our students that are worth imitating. Mm-hmm. Um, because we understand the value of giving of casting a vision of what their lives could be like if they would just pursue God. Right. So awesome. Let me ask you, let me ask you this question. Why do you think teenagers or many teenagers shy away from spiritual disciplines? That's a good question. Um, I think it has a pretty simple answer. I wanted to come up with something that was pretty in depth and all this, but I think the answer is pretty simple. I think that the value, the practical value is unclear. I think mm. that it's it's been made unclear. Mm-hmm. Um, and our culture is all about instant gratification. Yeah. I mean, you see that in everything. I don't need to go into too much detail about that, but our culture is all about instant gratification. But the gratification of discipline comes over time. Yes. Um, that's so, good. That's really good. So when when we think about why is this a difficult thing for most teenagers? It's because they're one being brought up in a world where they're they expect everything to be immediate. I mean, we're moving into the five G land. Uh, there's supposed to be no latency in in things. You're not supposed to ever see that buffer symbol. Yeah, we don't want to wait for that game to load. We don't want to wait for someone to like my right. Instagram post. Right, and and so when when it comes to okay, well, you've got to be disciplined. And that is going to come later, the the gratification of it. Like, I mean, I, I play guitar. I'm not good at it. Um, and I keep hitting these walls where I'm like, I want to be better. Because I can see like, you know, on Sunday mornings when Josh or Gianna or different people, Dino even, are playing the guitar and stuff. I'm like, man, they're really good. I want to be good. But I, and I get frustrated and I, I stop practicing 
which is the thing that's going to get me there because I want the, I want the, I want the gratification now. Right. And I think that that's a really similar thing because I got to just remember that the gratification of discipline comes over time. Yeah. We, we, we often see these music stars, just to use your example, that, that feel like they were overnight successes. Right. Well, they weren't overnight successes. No. Their overnight success came from discipline over time. Right. And eventually they hit a breakthrough. And that's the same with your spiritual disciplines. Mm. You're um, you're not going to have that one quiet. You're not always going to have that one quiet time that makes a groundbreaking, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, difference in your walk with the yeah. Lord. But what is going to make a groundbreaking difference in your walk with the Lord is having that quiet time consistently over time. Yeah, and that's not to say that you won't have those. It'll sure, happen. Absolutely. Just like if you're an athlete, there's going to be a time where suddenly you have figured the mechanics out and you can do the thing that you've been practicing to do. When you're a musician, maybe you're trying to figure out that chord and now you can finally do it. When you're a Christian, you've been battling a thing for a long time and then God helps you understand how and why and, and you're free from it. Yeah, and I, it's funny that you use the word "word free" there because I think, um, in in many times we feel like discipline is uh is a it costs me my freedom, right? It, it it you know I I could be outside playing with my friends, I could be on the the video game system playing with my friends, mm-hmm. but instead I'm disciplining myself to do this one particular thing. It feels like I've lost my freedom. But in all actuality, discipline helps me earn my freedom. Right. I can recall that verse in the moment when I am counseling a friend of mine because I have disciplined myself to memorize scripture. Yeah. I can know the will of God when I'm trying to make a particular decision because I have disciplined myself over time to know what scripture actually right. says. It's it's our discipline over time that gives us the freedom to walk in uh, the ways of the Lord. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like, you know, Eric Clapton has the freedom to play just about anything that he wants. <laughs> our, our kids probably don't know who Eric Clapton is, but that's okay. Uh, one of the greatest guitarists ever, in my opinion. Um, I agree. But um, he has the freedom to play just about anything he wants because he's disciplined himself over time to learn how to play. Yeah. Well, and uh, the book, when it's talking about this juxtaposition, I can't say that word. Juxtaposition. Juxtaposition. There we go. We did it at the same time. Yes. Uh, of Jinx. discipline. <laughs> you owe me a Coke. <laughs> a Diet Coke. Absolutely. Um, uh, the juxtaposition of discipline and freedom. The book talks about that a lot in this first chapter. And he actually says a phrase. He says, freedom is the reward for discipline. And, and I thought that that was pretty interesting. It's exactly what you're saying. Um, but we often think of freedom as being hindered by discipline, but in reality, by being disciplined, you get to have freedom. Exactly. Um, and, and we don't, I don't think we teach on it that way very mm-hmm. often. Um, it, because we focus so much on the details of 
being disciplined. We focus on the discipline itself rather yes. than the end goal of the discipline. Yes, and, and when we do that, we make it so terrible. Yeah. We make it seem like the worst thing in the world. Um, like you've got to do this really terrible thing if you want to be godly. Yeah, and 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 honestly, like, so you asked me what are some things that I didn't like about this chapter, and at first I was thinking about that because I felt like he was just talking about all the spiritual disciplines, and I was like, I don't want to read this anymore. He's making me feel terrible. He's yeah. listing all these things out and saying you got to do all these things, but that wasn't what he was doing. He was just saying these are all different spiritual disciplines and the the reward for actively doing these things, not necessarily all of them at once, because um, I think about Craig Rochelle. Mm-hmm. I love Craig Rochelle. He's great. Um, but he does this thing where he does he commits to one discipline every year. Okay. Uh, and it's a new one every year. And he's been doing this, I think, for like seven or eight years. Um and he talks about it a lot on his leadership podcast. He also talks about it in a couple of his books that he's written. But uh, like one year, it was reading the Bible. And so he focused on that the whole year. And by the end of the year, he had developed a consistent discipline of reading the Bible. And then the next year, he still has that discipline, but he adds prayer or he adds um, generosity and giving. Um, so like he's adding a discipline every year. So over seven or eight years that he's been doing this, he's added to his life seven or eight major spiritual disciplines that he is consistent in now. And I thought about that and I was like, whoa, that makes it very um, palatable yeah. to, to say, okay, I'm going to do one thing a year. And I'm not saying that's for everybody. Some other people might be able to do two or three things a year or whatever. I'm probably more of one of those people that can take one major thing a year. And I've I've started doing that over the past couple of years. And it's definitely changed the way I um, view discipline. And it has grown me in ways that I didn't see yeah, coming. Starting starting small. The, yeah. The the I think I think one of the reasons why teenagers end up not participating in the spiritual disciplines is because it seems overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, so many of them view it as, if I don't read my Bible for an hour, what was the point of even reading my Bible? If, right. if I'm not praying for 30 minutes, this is often the trap I would fall into, is making the task bigger than it needed to be. I do that all the time. Um, so, you know, if, if I'm not reading, you know, so many of these Bible plans... Are you know, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. Well, you end up having to read like five chapters of the Bible a day mm-hmm. almost. And, you know, if you've never participated in reading your Bible consistently, going from not reading your Bible to, to an hour of reading, to an hour of reading or reading five chapters of the Bible, yeah. that's overwhelming. So mm-hmm. I think some one of the reasons why teenagers don't participate in spiritual disciplines is they get overwhelmed pretty quickly when I would do just exactly what you recommended, starting small. If you've never read the Bible, read one verse a day. Start, Mm -hmm. start with a verse of the verse of the day from the Bible app or start with reading, um, you know, maybe one chapter of an easy to understand book, you know, don't, don't start with the book of Hebrews or, or with the, uh, you know, if you know, don't start at the beginning of the Bible because eventually you're going to hit some really difficult passages. Mm -hmm. Um, start, start with a, you know, a book like John or a book like Luke or Mark even, um, or, or one of Paul's letters and stuff like that. And just, 
um, work your way up from a couple of verses a day to maybe even a chapter uh, a day, a short chapter with 15 verses. Well, and I like that you say that because um, I, I think we talked about this a while back. I don't remember who it was, but I was listening to a podcast. It was a leadership thing. And he was talking about um, how to grow in discipline as a leader, right? And um, I think that the... I think that the principles are the same here. He was like, you know, I wanted to become a person that went to the gym every day. I saw all these people that were in great shape and they went to the gym every day. He was like, but they go to the gym for like an hour and a half every day and they work out all these things. And he said that he consistently tried to do that, but would be so sore and so beat down that he wouldn't go back because it became overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So what he started doing was he would literally drive to the gym, walk in, and do one exercise and leave. Does that accomplish anything for you physically? No. But mentally, it changed everything. Developed a habit. So he did that every day for about two weeks. He went to the gym, did one exercise, and left every day after work. Suddenly, he just became someone who goes to the gym every day, right? And after a couple of weeks, he added two exercises. After a couple more weeks, he added three. And then suddenly... He's a guy that goes to the gym every day for an hour. And I think it's very similar in our walks with Jesus and in our spiritual discipline. If you want to grow in your, your prayer life, spend five minutes a day praying. Mm-hmm. and or, or start out every single day saying hey to God. And then after a few days of just saying hey, I'm glad, to, glad you're listening, <laughs> start actually praying fully. And just add on to that, and you will see yourself growing in the, the the amount of time that you're spending with the Lord. Because it's not about a number. No. It's about a motive, and it's about a desire for growth and a desire for holiness. And it gets fueled by consistency. Yes. You know, the, the consistency is more important. Um, the consistency over time is more important than the amount of time in one sitting. Right. You know, it's like... You, you eat every day, but you don't eat one day a week. If, uh, right. You don't eat your entire week's worth of calories right. in one day. Right. That's not healthy. What's healthy is eating every single day. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Absolutely. So uh, you kind of touched on it, but were there anything, was there anything about the chapter that you didn't like? Yeah, primarily it's, okay, so if you're going to pick up this book, you just need to understand, and this is something I don't typically like about books like this is that it's, it's a, it's a hard read. Um, it's a harder read than something like, um, Bob Goff's books, which are super bubbly and fun to read. Um, this is a more, uh, academic style read where you're going to have bigger words. It's going to be a little bit more heady, um, which, can be difficult for some people. It's difficult for me. If you're if you're not in the practice of reading regularly, this is probably not a good place to start. Yeah, this is a hard book for me to read, um, just because I really have to carve out time to think through it and to um, possibly reread a lot of things. Um, just because I have to, I, I have to take that extra time to be able to process it where some people don't, but that's one thing that's hard about this. I, it's not necessarily a knock on the book. It's just, uh, for some people, it may be difficult. It's not a bad thing having no, to, to no. sit and think about it. One of our, again, this is where discipline comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we we want instant gratification, which means right. we want to have read the chapter as quick as possible and put it down. Mm-hmm. Well, this isn't one of those books that you can do that. It's one of those books that you need to sit and process. Yep. Um, what it's saying. So, um, so what what are the takeaways from chapter one for students and parents? So again, the the parent takeaway again, I, I just picked one takeaway for mm-hmm. students and one for parents because for me and and we teach this way, we want one one big thing for you to to remember instead of forty because you'll probably only remember one anyways. So one big takeaway for the parents was to give your kids direction so that they can see the goal of the future that will pull them towards the right. future. For students, um, I said that it it isn't about do's and don'ts; it's about the pursuit of godliness. Mm-hmm. Um, does that mean that you should um, just, you know, sin because you're going to be free from it? No. Um, Paul makes that very clear. Um, but it's not about a list of things that you accomplish. And it's not about a list of accolades that you get to brag about and be self-righteous hey, about. Hey, look at me. I read the Bible in a year. Right. Well, okay, which, so oh, how did man. it make you more like Jesus? Well, it it didn't. Yeah, and I know people like that, and it's so difficult to have a conversation with them, or to, or if you were to ask them, like, okay, what did God teach you today? They couldn't tell you, but they could tell. They could quote, you know, five chapters of Psalms. Um, and the thing is, is that there's a difference there. So it's not about the do's and don'ts. It's about the motive, and it's about the pursuit of godliness. He says that probably a hundred times in this chapter. Are you pursuing? godliness? Are you pursuing holiness? Are you pursuing becoming more like Christ? Because if you're not, then you're not doing this right. Yeah. It's not about what you're doing. It's about what you're becoming. Right. That's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. So good deal, man. Well, that wraps up our review of the first chapter. Um, I really like this book. It's one of my favorite books of all time. I think this is going to be super challenging for me personally. Um, just going through this, we're going to go through this chapter by chapter over the weeks of having the podcast. Yeah, we so. won't necessarily do it every single no. episode, but the next the next one we'll do is chapter two. When we when we cover it, we'll do chapter two, and that's um, they divided Bible intake up into two yeah. different parts. So it'll be Bible intake for the purpose of godliness. I'm really looking forward to that because yeah. when you think about spiritual disciplines. That tends to be the first one. The first thing that you think <laughs> about is is taking in the Bible, yeah. which, in all fairness, is is one of the two most important. Bible and prayer are going to be your two most mm-hmm. important spiritual disciplines. Well, and I love that he actually makes the point that this is not an exhaustive book of spiritual disciplines. Yes. He, and he he throws out a list, and he even says this isn't even an exhaustive thing. Like spiritual discipline is a very long list of things. Right. That's not to overwhelm you. That's just to say that you don't have to do it all. That right. you grow in these areas over time, so that's a, it's just another thing, and I think it's he hits on kind of the um, quote unquote stereotypical ones that you hear most often. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Um, so, Kyle, we're going to be kind of shifting gears now, and uh, we have a mission and vision for our student ministry. We do, and I know that you had a huge hand in writing that and producing that. Um, over the years, as I was not at Spotswood, I learned the mission and vision when I was here as an intern um, under you and Rick, and I took that and implemented it in multiple churches that I was at over the years in different states, different kinds of students, and it has held true to scripture, and it has held true to the growth of students in any context that I've been in at this point. So just 
that's just a little bit of a precursor to say that I believe in this mission and this vision 100%. And I have seen it actively working, not just at Spotswood, but in other places in our country. So Kyle, uh, we're going to be talking about life change because of Jesus one step at a time. Break that down for us. Give us a little information about what that is. Yeah, sure. First off, I just want to share a little bit of a reason why this is so important yeah. for us to to have. You know, uh, you know, we don't have anything in Scripture that says you must, as a student ministry, uh, have a mission and vision. <laughs> all right. right. But, so, why in the world would we consider it important? Because, as we talked about in the spiritual disciplines book, we want to cast a vision for our students of what we want them to become, mm. of who we want them to be, what we think is worth pursuing with your life. Um, we, live in, we live in a society in which students are asking different questions about themselves. They're asking questions like, um, you know, who am I becoming? What am I, who, who am I? You know, um, they're asking questions like, where do I belong? They're asking questions like, you know, what am I going to do with my life? Where am I headed mm. with my life? And in the midst of all of these questions, we want to help answer the questions by simply saying, regardless of who you are, regardless of where you belong, regardless of what you do, this is what your life is all about. This is the purpose of your life. Mm. Your purpose, the reason you exist, is to experience life change because of Jesus one step at a time. Yeah, that's really All good. right? So... So just to break that down just a little bit, um, why do we say life change? Because you go to some churches, and the church, it's pretty clear, is all about they believe that the, the reason why student ministry exists is to teach kids the Bible, mm. okay? Some student ministries, you may go, and the, the whole reason for existing is to give their students a place for them to, uh, where they're not getting in trouble. Uh, I, I want them to ha have as much fun in the student ministry because we know it's going to be clean fun. We know it's going to be good fun. We know that um, we know that they're gonna, they're not going to be participating in all of the hooligan things out in the world. Mm -hmm. You know that, that that's not the reason why hooligan. Yeah, uh, that's not the reason why student ministry exists. That's not the reason why the church exists for anybody in general. Right. At the end of the day, the purpose of church is not simply to teach the Bible. It's not to keep people out of trouble. It's not to um, it's not just to give people community. The purpose at the end of the day is so that people would experience life change. Yeah. We want them to be able to come as they are, but as a result of being here and encountering Jesus, we want them to not stay as they are. That Jesus literally transforms their life. They become a new person. Jesus says uh, in Scripture, uh, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Um, he he talks about uh, in Christ you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You're, it's all about you becoming a little Christ. That's what the word Christian means. Mm. So we want our students not just to read the Bible. We want our students not just to hear the Bible taught. We want our students to actually believe in and become like Jesus. Mm, that's good. Okay. And we say because of Jesus, because that's the only life change that matters. You've yeah. probably known lots of people over the course of the, uh, of your time on this earth who have changed. Yeah. Right? A lot of times we say people, people never change. People change. People change all the time. I've seen radical change. People, 
Um, just this morning, I, I read a, a Facebook post of a former student of mine where he's talking about walking away from Jesus. Uh, I, I'm not certain he was ever a Christian to begin with, but that's a little bit of a change in his life. Yeah. Well, I mean, you also hear about uh, people who are addicts and they come out of that, but that they don't know Jesus at all. They've never even stepped foot in a church. Right. You got some people who changed their life. They were overweight yeah. and they, they, uh, they, they got in shape. Mm-hmm. Um, you, people who went from not being a musician to being a, a great musician, people mm-hmm. change all the time. But the change we're talking about is the kind of change that Jesus brings into your life that makes you more like that makes you more like Jesus. Yeah. Um, and then we say one step at a time to help keep our um, our expectations realistic. Mm. Like we talked about with discipline in the book, discipline is what happens consistently over time. Yeah. Becoming like Jesus, life change is not what happens in a moment. It's what happens consistently over time when you keep taking the next step. It's not about it's not about getting to the end goal today. It's about taking the next step that God has for you today. Yeah. And that next step is going to be different for everybody. This is really important when I talk about um, when I talk about this this mission and vision with middle school leaders, because a lot of times with middle school leaders, it's all about uh, tilling the soil, but you never actually get to see the fruit. Yeah. I get to typically see the fruit in high school ministry. Exactly. So sometimes, (laughs) sometimes our leaders can get really frustrated day in and day out when they had a really great small group lesson one week, and then they had five weeks straight of what feels like not a great small group lesson. Mm -hmm. You know, um, a lot of times what I have to tell them is, listen, it's not about feeling, it's not about that feeling you get about having a really great session. It's not about feeling like you finally made that breakthrough. Mm. It's about being faithful over time, helping students take the next right step. Because after they take the next right step, over years of taking the next right step, we're going to notice that they're further along than they were to begin with. So we, that's the vision that we cast for our leaders. Don't, 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 don't look at the major life change that you want them to experience. Just look at each kid and ask yourself, what is the next right step that this that this student needs to take? Yeah. Um, and that's that's probably a good word for our parents too, is don't look at how far your student is from the end goal. Ask yourself, what is the next step they want to take? And be willing to celebrate that when they do take that step. Yeah, because... Uh... Man, we've said this multiple times today, but the idea of making things palatable and making things not overwhelming, um, because we're so good as a society at saying like, you've got to accomplish all of these things. Mm -hmm. You've got to reach all of these things. And and we uh, can look at the Bible and be like, you've got to be Christ-like. Well, that seems easy. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's Jesus. He was perfect. So by you saying that you need to be Christ-like and holy, you're saying that I need to be perfect. Well, I don't do that well, so I must be the worst, you know? But instead of saying that, yeah, that's the goal. That's where we want to end up. But instead saying, hey, you know, what are you struggling with right now? I I have this conversation with high schoolers all the time. Um, I ask them, in a discipleship um, relationship, where where do you think that you are right now as a believer on a scale of one to 10? And you can kind of tell a lot um, based on their answer. Um, most of the time you'll get a, oh, about a seven, 
you know, but when someone really seven, which is code for humble enough, uh, you know, I'm doing really, really well, but I know I'm supposed to be humble. Right. And then, then you have the really honest student who's like, I'm probably a three. And, and that's because they are very self-aware and they really, really desire to be better. And that honesty, what people don't realize that was a huge step. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and so you can kind of gauge where their next step is just based on a few questions. So for parents and for adult leaders and for us, it's a good reminder of we've got to be diligent enough and discerning enough to help them see what their next step is. Exactly. Exactly. So that, so that we can guide them in that direction. Because, you know, the scripture says that it's a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Back in the day, those lamps didn't give you much light. It's not one of those 10,000 lumen flashlights that you can see a quarter mile up the road. You're seeing one or two steps max. Right. And you've got to trust every step that there's not going to be a cliff in the darkness. You know what I mean? So so I, I, I really take that perspective a lot and going, we're just taking another step so that we can reveal the one after that. Yep, exactly. And you know, if you if you show up to any of our events or environments, you're going to constantly hear us ask this question, what is the next life change step that God wants you to take? Yeah. What is the next life change? In fact, we evaluate many of our events this way. We ask our leaders, you know, at an event like Elevate, for example, we want one of our goals for Elevate is that, you know, 25 to 50% of our students, a quarter to half of our students would be able to identify the exact next step that Jesus mm. wants them to take. Um, we may know what that step is, yeah. but it's so huge for students to be able to recognize what yeah. that step is and then have the courage to share it with someone and then take it themselves. Yeah, because then they want to take it once they have identified exactly. it because they see the importance of it and the value. Exactly, So exactly. So yeah, we will continue walking through our mission and vision vision because it's a lot more than just this one line. This is kind of the all-encompassing thing, right? But right. we have a strategy. We have the three C's. We have all of these things. And we're going to break that down over time mm-hmm. um, because we want to give um, all of these things the time that uh, it requires to give um, parents and students or anybody that cares to listen Um a good understanding of what it is and why we do what we do. Exactly. And that's the key right there is helping people understand, you know, a lot of times they'll say, why do you do the event that way? Or why are you doing that particular event? Or why aren't you doing this event whatsoever? This is the grid work that we put everything through the framework that, that the filter, so to speak, Mm -hmm. that helps us determine why we do what we do and what we do, because we believe it'll help us be most effective in helping students experience life change because of Jesus one step at a time. Yeah. So we're coming to the end of our podcast, which means that it's time for a rec. It's time for a recommendation. I gave a recommendation last time, Dakota. I, I think it should be your turn to give a recommendation. So Dakota, what do you recommend for our listeners today? So I've been going back and forth, and here's the thing. I am not recommending a bidet. Um, let's, just get, re- let's just get well, that out of the way. Well, you haven't used a bidet. Right, How can so you recommend really something recommend that one. you've... But I've done the research. You have done the research. <laughs> it's like it's like the person who recommends the Bible, but they've never read the Bible. Right. Oh, my. Just saying. So um, my recommendation today uh, is is a pretty simple one. Um, I, we, we go to lunch 
periodically. Yes. Right? We do. Um, and we've taken Josh to lunch we have. with us periodically. And where do we typically go? We go to El Patron. Right. Because El Patron's um, amazing. Yeah. Me and you have went to Chili's a couple times. That's yes, true. Which, listen, their, their soup and salad and chips lunch deal is killer. It is. Uh, that's not my recommendation. And Chili's is not a sponsor. But if they want to be, they can. Absolutely. Um, I will eat Chili's every <laughs> single day if they would be a sponsor. Um, but my recommendation is actually the thing that I haven't personally ordered, but I have eaten at El Patron. It's that cheese dip that Josh gets every Isn't time we that go. that cheese dip so good? Um, it's my favorite Mexican cheese dip. It, it or is a Hispanic little bit cheese dip. I don't queso. know. Queso. Queso. <laughs> so the the Mexican palace or Mexico palace uh-huh. down in South Point, which is like right across the street. Yeah. It's really, really good. Um, it's like the food is on par with El Patron. However, their cheese dip, their queso is not quite as good. The queso at El Patron is... In fact, I often get the fajita burritos because they dump the queso on top of the the burritos. It's so fantastic. Yeah, it's a good time. So my recommendation, El Patron's queso. Yes, um, check it out next time and tell them Dakota and Kyle sent you. Yeah, they're not going to know who that is, but... But you can still tell them. (laughs) So uh, we really appreciate you jumping in and making us a part of your day, letting us uh, talk into your ears or watching us on YouTube. Um, if you haven't already, make sure that on YouTube you are uh, subscribing to the channel because we do have other content that we are putting out as a student ministry at Spotswood Students. Uh, hit the notification bell as well so that you can be alerted when things come up. Also, uh, you can find the podcast anywhere that podcasts are are, are at whether it's Spotify, whether it's um, Android, what I don't know what their thing is. I don't is. know. Does anyone know what Android Dan does? Dan Cook knows. Um, but they, or um, wow, Apple Podcasts. Dan under the bus in Dan episode only, two. Dan only uses Android products. He is not a Mac well, person. He uses he uses Microsoft products too. True, but none of these are sponsors, by the way. But again. If Mac wants to sponsor us, yes. I'm all in. If Windows wants to sponsor us, I'll just say no thank you. <laughs> so you can find the podcast anywhere. Just look, look it up at On The Spot, and it should pop up. There's going to be two bitmojis of me and Kyle um, that you can laugh at. But make sure that you are um, subscribing and rating us because that's going to help our podcast get out there. Share it with other people um, if you feel like what we're talking about matters. But just know we will be back on the spot every other week to talk about stuff that we think matters.